Welcome to Real Relationship Goals, a podcast all about the realities of healthy relationships. Real Relationship Goals is a project of the Advocacy Center for Crime Victims and Children in Waco, Texas. If you or someone you know has experienced sexual violence or harassment and is seeking support, services, or needs more information, links to resources and our hotline number can be found in the description. The views expressed in this podcast are those of the hosts and guests and do not necessarily reflect those of their organizations or affiliates. Welcome back to season three of Real Relationship Goals. This is episode nine. It's our last episode of the season. You made it. Uh, a little content warning, though, for this episode. we it, You may have noticed from the title, but we are going to be talking about abuse uh, in this episode. So if you feel like it would be best for you to skip this one, we'll see you next season. Uh, and if not, we're looking forward to spending the next several minutes with you. As always, this podcast is brought to you by the prevention and education team at the Advocacy Center. My name's Allie. I'm Ariana. I'm Blythe. And I'm Kyla, our social work intern. This week in relationships, we're talking about the new documentary series on Netflix, Harry and Meghan, which is about the royal British couple, the Duke and Duchess of Sussex, aka Prince Harry and Meghan Markle. There will be very few spoilers ahead, no worries. So I want us to take note of something said in the documentary regarding Harry, Meghan, and the harassment they experienced from the media, and primarily the tabloids at that. Alex Marshall of the New York Times summarized it well. In the documentary, the couple claimed that, quote, some royals viewed media harassment as a rite of passage, end quote. And y'all, whatever our age or stage of life, whether we're joining a soccer team or a frat or the literal royal family, harassment and abuse are never okay. They are not a rite of passage and they do not reflect people's inherent dignity and worth and that we all deserve respect. As we step into roles or places that we have an influence in, like becoming a parent or a boss or gaining some other leadership position, we should use that as an invitation to cultivate spaces of equity and respect. Okay, y'all, I have a story today, and it is all about Toy Story 3, which was released back in 2010. So by a series of mistakes and misunderstandings, a handful of toys, right, such as Woody, Buzz, Rex, Mr. and Mrs. Potato Head, and a bunch more, all formerly owned by a teenager named Andy, end up at Sunnyside Daycare. So from the toy perspective, Sunnyside is run by a fluffy purple bear named Lotso and his sidekick, or henchman, depending on your perspective, Big Baby. So Lotso initially paints Sunnyside Daycare to be a toy's dream, right? You're played with all day, five days a week. And although individual kids grow up, there's always a rotation of them. So there are perpetual children to play with you and you never have to experience the heartbreak of an owner growing up. So Andy's toys are ecstatic initially. And then Lotso introduces them to the room that they will be in, the caterpillar room, which we soon learn is the toddler room. And in the toddler room, the toys are mishandled. They are chewed on. Um, Rex, the like dinosaur looking toy, um, says it well when he says, these kids don't know how to play with us. Um, and that's because the toys aren't made for toddlers. They're made for older kids. And so the toys appeal to Lotso, but they soon find themselves imprisoned. 
Lotso says that toys have to earn their way up, but Lotso runs a system in which toys are locked up, rebellious toys get thrown into the quote-unquote box, um, and he even manipulates and rewires Buzz. So in short, Lotso is an abusive, cruel, and manipulative leader. At one point, we get a bit of Lotso's backstory. So Lotso, Big Baby, and another toy named Chuckles are all owned and loved by a little girl named Daisy, and Lotso was the favorite. One day, Daisy and her family went on a trip. And of course, you know, Daisy's got to bring her three favorite toys along. And her family stops in a field to have a really nice little picnic lunch. After lunch, though, Daisy fell asleep and the toys were accidentally left behind, right? So they're sad, they're scared, but Lotso is committed to making it back to Daisy's. After a long trek, they finally did so only to find that Lotso had been replaced by a new bear, a new fluffy purple bear that looked just like him. He felt betrayed and became incredibly angry. He told Big Baby and Chuckles that they had all been replaced, even though technically it was just Lotso who was. And then after another long journey of getting tossed around in the rain, really tough stuff, the three of them end up at Sunnyside Daycare, where Lotso quickly takes over and his abusive reign begins. I think it's also interesting to note, um, if you've seen Toy Story 2, that Lotso and Jesse have a very, very similar backstory, even if their response to that was quite different. Thank you so much for that story, Blythe. I remember whenever Toy Story 3 came out and that was probably the first Toy Story movie that I cried extremely hard while watching. Just, Same. So, it was, they hit a lot of really heavy stuff with that movie. But yeah, welcome in guys. Just like Ali said earlier, this is episode nine, our final one for this season. Um, and just kind of, as we noted earlier, this one's going to be a little bit heavier, I think, than some of our other episodes. We're going to be um, a little bit more serious, I think, with this one, um, as we're just kind of addressing this tension between the spaces of people who abuse have often experienced very deep trauma themselves. But at the same time, there is never any excuse for abusive behaviors or treating someone else in an abusive or toxic way. So Blythe, Ariana, Allie, what are we thinking today? Yeah, this is, this is a tough one. Mm-hmm. And um, I think we're, like Kyla said, we're going to be kind of careful how we, how we move through this. So we know that childhood trauma, that past trauma can affect a person's mental health, especially if they haven't reached out for treatment. But of all the life impacts of child abuse listed on childhelp.org, intimate partner violence is not one of them. So we want to be clear that abuse stems from a toxic mindset of wanting power and control over a partner. We've Mm -hmm. said in past episodes that abuse is not an anger management issue. It is at its core, this desire for power and control over a partner or other people. Um, Abuse, of course, is not limited to romantic partnerships. Many, many people who experience trauma or abuse in their childhood grow up to be healthy, respectful partners in their romantic uh, relationships and in all of their relationships. So again, as we navigate, two things can be true. This is another two things can be true. People who have experienced abuse can 
then become a person who abuses other people, but that is not the the rule. It doesn't, it doesn't uh, have to be that way, or it doesn't, isn't always that way. So I, I think starting there is, is helpful um, as we, as we sort of move through this, this tension. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, and not, I don't want to just like reiterate everything that Ali said, but also just continuously name that this is a heart, like, I think this tension in particular really invites us to sit in the deep uncomfortability that both things are true, right? That like people who abuse have often experienced deep trauma. And I'm so sorry that that happened. Like that's terrible, right? Like no one, and obviously like a million different things, right? Can be traumatic and be the root and source of like trauma. And like, that's terrible. And I'm sorry. And right. Like that there's no like excuse for abusing others. And just like to also, yeah, name that that's a really difficult contradiction to sit in because I think, yeah, I, I want the black and white of like, oh, well, like they did this because that, or, or like they're, or I don't know how to like phrase that, but just, yeah, sitting that in that is, yeah, is difficult. Yeah. I think it's also hard because like in that space as well, it's, there is always empathy for the person who has experienced that past abuse or that past trauma and is now exhibiting abusive behaviors. But at the same time, it's like, despite feeling that empathy and despite feeling that compassion, it's very important to not allow that behavior to continue further. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's what's hard is you're, you are allowed to feel compassion. You're allowed to feel empathy for that person. But at the same time, that can't continue. Right. And then just like, yes, being empathetic towards people that experience abuse is important just to like show that like, hey, when you get older, it doesn't have to be this way. You do not have to, you know, turn into something else and be the person that starts abusing someone. Also, just to like tell people who have experienced abuse and trauma, it it takes a minute and it takes time to process what is going on in their lives and just like also just to declutter some of those unhealthy characteristics mm-hmm. of abuse that they have learned throughout their lifetime and just like in order to become a more healthy person overall you know it's just giving yourself that grace and just understanding that hey it takes time to just like you know unlearn those unhealthy toxic characteristics of the abuse that you experience so you don't you know carry it over into uh, your family or to your partner or to anybody that you have a relationship with. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's good. I was going to say that's good. And I was wondering like, yeah, if we could get more into, or like, we've been talking I think, a lot about mind or we haven't talked a lot of it about it. I want to talk more about it. Like mindset, <laughs> like, um, <laughs> initially, right. Like saying things like, right. The root of abuse is like power and control and someone having values or a mindset, right. Where they like want to, and then do like seek to in, not insert, exert um, power and control over another person. And so thinking about like, how does mindset or like the way that we think about like other people or even ourselves impact whether or not we like, I don't know how to ask the question I'm trying to ask <laughs> if I'm being honest. Yeah. I, I think I just want us to think about like, what do we mean? I guess, yeah. What do we mean by mindset and like, how does mindset impact our relationships? And maybe that's a bad question, but I'm going to use it for now. 
Well, I think that love is a choice, right? And it's it's an action. It's not just a feeling or it's at least those things as much as it is a feeling. And so I think with that sort of framework, then you are making a choice to, you know, it is, there's an unfair responsibility in recovery from trauma and abuse Mm -hmm. that it's like that person who has experienced that it's their responsibility to find healing in healthy ways so that we don't perpetrate unhealthy relationships that characteristics that we've maybe learned. And like, for sure, this is un- it's unfair, right? Because there's a sort of an element of victim blaming in that, right? Like it's your responsibility as the victim of this, it's your responsibility, right? That was never asked for, nor was it deserved, like that responsibility that that, that person now carries. But it unfortunately, it doesn't change the fact that it is still a choice mm-hmm. to, to make that change, to to go a different path than maybe that you have learned. Right. And so, um, I think when, when I think of mindset, that's what I think. I think about abusive behaviors and love, like both being choices that people are making that or not making. Right. And feelings complicate that behaviors complicate that. Um, but ultimately it's a choice. And so when we, you, when you say mindset, that's where, that's what I'm thinking of is that is those choice, those choices. Yeah. In addition to kind of like the mindset, I also think of kind of like frameworks for how we view like love in relationships as well. Um, So I kind of think about how like as we're growing up, we have relationships modeled to us by our parents, grandparents, friends, uh, movies, TV shows, Mm -hmm. all kinds of stuff. We see all of these different relationship like dynamics being like modeled and exampled to us from all of these places. And those aren't always healthy relationships and they don't always have healthy characteristics, which so that's, there can be a lot of unhealthy behaviors that are being displayed to us. And that's normalized to us. That's something that we recognize, oh, well, this is what love looks like. Like if your parents don't talk through disagreements if they don't talk through their emotions and instead you just see them kind of bottling those things down then and in your future relationship you might find yourself bottling your emotions instead of sharing those openly with your partner or and that's just kind of something that's because we've modeled that's what's normal to us and we say oh this is what love looks like mm-hmm. I've seen that that jealousy is love so therefore I if I'm not jealous or if my partner's not jealous and that means that he doesn't love me Mm, yeah so then I think yeah that's a call for all of us thinking about like regardless of our background being in a healthy relationship is learned and even like if you witnessed something right like maybe people around you had like awesome relationships that's still also something that you have to learn to like do yourself right not just witness but like act out. That's something that we all need to do, how to communicate in healthy ways, how to be vulnerable, um, how to be uh, like, look out for the best interest of another person. When I really want to care about my own best interest, or like not even my own best interest, but like, I want the things that I want. And sometimes, right. Like I need to learn to say, well, Blythe, your wants are valid. The other person's wants are also valid. You can take turns and like laying those things down. Like all those things are learned like for all of us regardless of our background as well. Yeah, I think that's good. And I think, you know, we, we want to say too, that if, if you believe that you're in an abusive relationship, 
we believe you. Mm-hmm. And, and you should trust that feeling. Like if you believe we tell our students this all the time, if you think you're in an unhealthy relationship, or if you believe you're in an abusive relationship, you're probably right. Right. Because you and the other person in that relationship are the experts of that relationship. And so uh, we believe you and we would encourage you to make a safety plan, which is a plan that you can, you can keep and have, and maybe share with others to improve your safety uh, while experiencing abuse or preparing to leave an abusive situation or even after you leave. And if you're in central Texas, if you're in the central Texas area, uh, we would encourage you to reach out to us at the advocacy center or the family abuse center, which is also here in Waco. There's also national resources, and we will put all the information for all the things we've just said um, in the show notes. Mm-hmm. So I think I, I really want to emphasize like trust yourself. And I also want to say, I think that there can be a narrative that when someone, when we find out that someone um, has experienced abuse in a relationship to our first response to be like, well, why didn't you leave? Why did you let that keep happening? Right. And I just want to say that obviously it's never the person's fault who is being abused. And also it is incredibly difficult to leave an abusive relationship. There's so many factors at play about why someone may or may not choose or even be able to do that. And so just as we think about this, I want to make sure that we, we remember that uh, as well, that this is, this is a difficult thing to navigate. Mm-hmm. And so uh, with that, I have our final relationship goal for the season, and this is kind of a in summation of the whole season uh, relationship goal. And so remember, as we've spent all season exploring, that two things can be true, that the truth of something often doesn't exist at one extreme or another, but rather it exists somewhere in the middle, somewhere in between those two extremes. It's important to know your own values, boundaries, and non-negotiables. But it's also important to remember that being a human is hard and being a human in relationships is even more difficult. So be flexible with yourself and with those who you're in relationship with. And Ariana has our final recommendation for the season. Yes, yes. So my recommendation is uh, the white chocolate mocha drink at Starbucks. Really delicious. And it's raining right now, so it's kind of sounding a little perfect right now. (laughs) Just grab a drink, cuddle up in your blankets, and watch a good movie. So, yeah. Ooh, I love that. Thank you, Ariana. And thank you all for listening this season. We appreciate uh, you tuning in and interacting with us on our social media. If you have ideas for next season, please let us know. Uh, Send us a DM at at ACCVC underscore prevention or comment on one of our posts about the podcast and we would love to incorporate it in into next season. So thank you again and we will see you for season four. Woo-hoo. Thanks so much for tuning in to Real Relationship Goals. This episode was produced by the Prevention and Education Department of the Advocacy Center for Crime Victims and Children in Waco, Texas. You can follow us on Instagram at ACCVC underscore prevention. See you next time.